Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars. How are you doing tonight, Allison? I'm doing well. On tonight's show, we'll be talking with Paul and Charlie. They have a research group called TDT Research. They reached out to me with some really interesting stories. They both separately started having these encounters with greys, and then they started seeing other stuff happen around. They started having poltergeist activity. Really, really interesting. But they live on different continents, right? Yeah. Charlie lives in the U.S., Paul lives in the U.K., and they connected— and started talking, and then they started finding similar things were happening to them on both sides of the Atlantic, sometimes at the same time. So they form this TDT research group, they get other people involved, and then they find it's almost spreading like a virus, like the same kind of thing is happening to everybody involved in the research group. Really, really interesting. It caused them to kind of conclude, like we did, that this stuff, ghosts and UFOs and Bigfoot and all this stuff seems to be somehow related. They're not sure exactly how it's related. They're very honest about it. They don't know what it is, but they're just saying this happens and this happens over here too. And this has happened to us. Really, really interesting stories. It's going to be a two-part episode. Tonight's the first part. And we'll get to Paul and Charlie in a moment. Before we talk to them, I put up a bunch of original art in our Etsy shop original art from The Witch Cloud, original art from Where the Footprints End, 
the art from the High Strangeness t-shirt, if you want to own the original art from the back of that with the Bigfoot in the graveyard or from the front with the owl, those are up there. If you want to own a piece of the Witch Cloud or a piece of Where the Footprints End, this is your chance. So go ahead and get to Etsy. Our shop name is Lost Grave, but if you type in Strange Familiars, our stuff should come up. I will try to add more artwork from Where the Footprints End, Volume 1 and 2, in the future. All right, let's go ahead and get to my talk with Paul and Charlie. I'd like to welcome Paul and Charlie to Strange Familiars. They contacted me because they've got some personal experiences, but they also have a research group, TDT Research, which we can get into a little bit as well. Well, hopefully more than a little bit. I'm interested in what you guys are doing. How are you doing tonight, guys? Very well. Doing, yeah, doing great. Thanks for having us on. So how did this start for you guys? I know... Charlie said you heard me on Sasquatch Chronicles and thought that some of the stuff that Josh and I were getting into with Where the Footprints End was pretty interesting and seemed to be on the right track. But what started you on your path? Okay, so, you know, I've been an experiencer since I was around six years old, around the five, six time frame. So when I was a kid, um, it was about the year 86, my father and my mother had separated and my, uh, me, my mom, my grandmother, and my sister all lived in my grandmother's house. My grandfather had, had recently passed away when all this had happened as well. And being in that house as a kid, it was a really creepy house, still is to this day, and had had a couple of times where we heard like noises, footsteps, things like that. And my mother would always tell me, you know, that that would, you know, there's no such thing as ghosts, no such thing as anything, you know, paranormal. And I can remember the first time I ever had an encounter is I was, you know, it's just one night I was laying in this back bedroom that we had and I woke up and I could not move. And I, and I can remember this as clear as it just happened. I couldn't move. And, you know, I look over and there's these three little gray guys standing in my room. You know, I was scared, didn't really know what was going on. You know, I just, I shut my eyes. I was trying to move, struggle as much as I could. And then, you know, I fell back asleep. And then the next thing I know, I'm waking up. And I told my mom, you know, hey, I, you know, I had these little men in my room last night. And, you know, she, she was telling me, oh, you know, you're just having a nightmare. And being a kid, I believed what she was telling me. Mm-hmm. And then that became kind of like a regular occurrence. How old were you when it started? About six. And my birthday's at the end of the year. So this would have been in like 1986. So it would have been towards the end of that year. I was about five or six, about to turn six at the end of 86. And then right after that into like 87, 88, 80, and just it just continued on, you know, and it's still going on. And all my occurrences that would happen when I was a kid, I can remember a lot of them. It would it would be just that. It would be, you know, I'm not really one of these these experiencers who can you know who can, who remembers like, you know, the being beamed up while you're in the bed and appearing on a ship. That never really happened to me. 
it was always these encounters where I would wake up, I would see, it was usually three, but I would see between three and five of these little gray guys, and they wouldn't just be standing still. Like, they would, you know, kind of move their heads, and I would always be paralyzed, and, you know, it was very terrifying. And, you know, I'd struggle as much as I could, but I couldn't move. And sometimes I would, you know, when I would wake up and I'd be having one of these experiences, there would be like, right before I woke up, it would feel like a wind was blowing over my body. And I would see like this pulsating light and I would hear like this tuning fork sound. Mm. It's that's, that's the best as I can describe it. It would sound like a tuning fork, like it was right up against my ear. Mm-hmm. And I, I've actually read that in other people's, you know, store or, you know, encounters. Oh yeah. 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 And so I would have that happen. And another major thing that happened probably a couple years into this, because like I said, every time that this was happening, it would be, I would wake up paralyzed, you know, I'd see the gray guys three to five, and then, you know, I'd struggle and then fall back asleep, wake up. So I was about nine years old. The encounters would happen also probably about sometimes as few as once a month and probably you know, as much as probably like eight or nine. Wow. And yeah, it was a lot. And so a major event on my, I guess my, my experience or timeline was I was about nine years old. I was in that back bedroom and I woke up. I remember it was a Saturday morning and the light was coming through the windows and I had a clock on my wall. It was like about six, six twenty. I was excited about it being a Saturday because I don't know if you remember, we had the old Nintendos back in the day and I was going to rent a game that day. Mm. And so I was, it was going to be a good Saturday. And so I'm laying there and I was like, well, I'm just going to keep laying here for a little bit before I get up. And so I, because of all the stuff that was happening to me and even to the, like this day, I still sleep with like the covers, you know, up over my head because, you know, a cover is going to stop a ET from snatching <laughs> you. <laughs> but it's just, it's like a comfort thing, I guess. Oh but, no, I get it. Yeah, and so I sleep up against the wall, and I have, like, a cover up near my head. But so I'm laying there, and then I heard, like, on the floorboards, I, you know, I'm hearing, like, creak, creak, and I think it's my mom coming to uh, check on me, which is something she would do. And for everybody listening out there, so the way this house was laid out, I'm in this, this back bedroom. The bedroom immediately through the door is the middle room the middle bedroom where my mother and my grandmother would sleep. And then at the end of the hallway was my sister's bedroom. And so, you know, I'm laying there. I think it's my mom coming. And then all of a sudden I feel, and I hear like the springs creaking in the bed. So something is sitting down on the side of my bed. And I thought, you know, of course I think it's my mom. And so I felt this like wispy touch on the side of my head. Again, something my mom would do. About that time, I like squint in my eyes, and I can see it like it's just happening yesterday. It's like burned into my retinas. I'm looking at like this area, like chest height, the way I'm laying, and I see like blonde hair, and I see like white and yellow clothing. And so I don't see the face, but I said, Mom. And then, you know, I'm still squinting, and my, and the weight, you know, I'm thinking it's my mom gets up off the bed. I hear this, the coils, you know, depress or whatever creaking and i'm wondering I'm, i remember thinking i'm like why is she not answering me so i sat up in my bed and i see this light-skinned 
female figure with blonde hair walking away from me and duck around the corner out of that middle bedroom and duck around the corner heading toward like the kitchen area. And so I called out for my mom again, still no response. I get up at this point and I'm, I'm like, why is she not answering me? I remember I was mad. I'm like, why is she not responding? So I go into that middle room and I like, as loud as I can, I yell mom. And then my mother and my grandmother who were asleep woke up and like right next to me, I jerked my head and my mom was like, what is it? What's going on? And I'm like, you know, I'm looking around and I just like screamed and I fell to the floor and my sister came out of her room and I was like, somebody, some, I just saw a woman, somebody's in the house. And so we went all through the house. It was a pretty small house. We went all through it and all the doors were locked and, you know, the chains were on the doors, you know, so nobody was in the house. And so at that point, I got to be honest with you. I thought that I had seen like a ghost. Mm-hmm. I always called that like my ghost encounter. You know, later on in my life, I would change that. You know, I think what I was seeing right there was, and I can explain later, I was, I think what I was seeing there was like one of these like ET type, mm-hmm. you know, manifesting is, is what I think. Like the Nordics, they call them the tall blonde ones. Well, I, I mean, you, you know, your guess is as good as mine on that one. I don't really know what it was. I just, you know, cause it, I, I got to thinking like later on because, you know, I'll tie that into what's coming up. Like the rest after that, the things that kept happening to me from there until I was like in my early twenties was like the same thing. I had one more, I, I like filed that, you know, that incident, I was a ghost and I like filed it in my, my memory bank as well. You know, I'm dealing with these ET things. Now I'm dealing with ghosts. Right. I was like, I knew this, knew this house was creepy. Now I'm dealing with ghosts and I'm dealing with the ET problem. And I was like, man, I, you know, I, I didn't even, I got to the point where I didn't even want to sleep by myself you know, in that house. And that continued through my teen years, you know, the same occurrences up until, you know, I'd be in around 20 years old. I still had this stuff separated into like two categories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had it paranormal and I had it ET. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I started researching like the paranormal and doing EVPs, paranormal research, all that kind of stuff. And I continued doing that while I was still having these encounters. And, you know, I know that my age is accelerating here in in my history, but I mean, that's really all throughout that time. I'm just having the same type of encounters where, you know, I I wake up and the the three ETs, the five ETs are standing around my bed. You know, the, the rest of the time it's the same. I just call it like a generic abduction. When you were a kid, did you have exposure to like the ET image, like in pop culture or anything? That's a really good question. And the time that I saw anything that was like what I saw was because my mother and my grandmother and, you know, my whole family was very religious. They were, you know, we're, we're from Alabama. They were United Methodist and they're really strict. So I didn't, I didn't, I was not allowed to watch anything scary. I didn't watch anything like sci-fi. I had some of my brother's old comics, but you know, that really didn't have grays in it. Mm-hmm. You know, this was like Marvel is what we're talking about. And I wasn't, like I said, allowed to watch anything scary. The first time that I saw something that was remotely like what I had already been seeing was I was 
don't know if you remember the old, I'm sure you do, the old video stores where you would rent like a, a Nintendo game like we were talking about or like VHS tapes. Oh, sure. Yeah, they were everything yeah. back then. Oh, yeah, exactly, man. Saturday morning, that's what you did. Or a Friday night. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going through the video store and I saw the cover. It scared me to death. I saw the cover to Communion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I pointed that at my mother and I was like, that's what I've been seeing. That's exactly what I've been seeing in my room. That's the little men that I was talking about. Of course, she was like, you're just having nightmares. Right. You probably saw that on TV, but which it wasn't on TV, I don't think. We didn't, we didn't have cable either. So mm-hmm. all we had was like regular TV. So yeah, that's I mean, what people have asked me before. You're saying, uh, like, what you said like 86 or so it started. Yeah, it was like the end of 86. Yeah. yeah so I don't remember that like the image of the gray being popular in uh-huh. pop culture until a little bit later than that after communion. So yes, probably 89 or so I'm, I'm thinking is when it kind yeah. of started to gain popularity. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. That was when I first was like, Holy, you know, and they, and if you read about that book cover or the movie cover, whatever that image, there's some people, especially people that are um, abductees or just have experienced whatever this is have had, you know, major reactions to the image. Oh, I did. Absolutely. And I didn't know, I didn't know what was going on. I saw that in bookstores and I almost panicked when I saw it. I didn't know what it was about, didn't know anything about it. And so get that away from me, get me away from that. I don't know what that is, but I don't want anything to do with it. Come a few months. I don't remember the exact timeline, but a few months after that, I had some experiences very similar to what you're describing. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a flight experience or a, a flight feeling. You know, the fight mm-hmm. or flight. I had the flight. I was like, I, you know, I don't, even, I don't even want to look at that. And even yep. to this day, even to this day, I don't even like looking at that image. Yeah, I'm not because, a fan. Yeah, yeah, and so that ties into the story too later on. But you know, where I was at in my twenties, I had the stuff separated, and then in 2012, still living in uh, Birmingham at the time with my ex-wife. We had a little son. He was probably, this is in 2012, he's probably like mm, about six months old. When we had an apartment, and uh, he was in his his crib, and I was sitting in the den. I had done a cemetery investigation at a cemetery called uh, Oakwood Cemetery, very haunted place. And I was just listening back to my evidence, like the recordings and the video and everything. And I saw out of the corner of my eye, I'll never forget this. And I got some really, while I was doing this whole, and I know we're talking about ET, you know, all the stuff wrapping in tonight. That's the reason I'm bringing up the paranormal stuff, because it is a key part. I had captured some really good EVPs and some really good evidence over the years. I mean, like even some like almost sentences. So I'm sitting there and I'm just reviewing this evidence out of the corner of my eye. I see this huge basketball-sized blue orb that came through the door, and I'm listening to this, and I see this happen, and I turn around, and I dropped everything that I had in my hand. I'm just sitting there like, what in the, you know, and it, it, it's like 1-1,000, one, 1,000, 3-1,000, 4-1,000, it vanishes. And since I still had everything separated, and the way I had it separated was, when I say paranormal, I mean ghost, demonic. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw that happen, I was like, my God, I've had something follow me home. That day I raced on, well, actually right when that happened, I went there and grabbed my son. We left the apartment and I stayed outside for a while. I was actually too scared to even walk back in there. And I let my wife at the time know what was going on and she was not happy. 
she didn't like the whole ET or the any of the paranormal stuff. So right after that, I went in and I deleted everything that I had, and I started. And so for a time in my in the like I guess we say the 2000 teens, I was thinking that this stuff was malicious, and that's when I started getting the malicious feelings, which I already had that from the the ET experience. But I mean just first started kind of grouping this stuff together. I was actually thinking more on the lines of at that time, demonical, like this was just malicious. That's just what I felt with that orb incident that happened. Cause I don't know why I got that feeling at that moment, but it was like, it was, it was not only now it wasn't only me, it was my kids. Mm. Yeah. And so I would kind of keep that feeling going about it be I started looping that into the, the whole demonical. I was thinking everything was, was starting to be like, it was the same thing causing everything. And so it was, that was about 2012. Right after that's when I look, my company had relocated me to North Alabama and I got my first house. I still had the same kind of things. You know, it, this is something about this thing, this whole phenomenon too. Okay. It's like, you know, it, no, it doesn't matter. And I'm sure you've experienced this. It doesn't matter where you go. This stuff like follows you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a common thing that you hear and no matter where you are, it's following you. You know, I, I got my first house. Everything is continuing with the, with the ET abductions. I'm still having the same kind of experiences. I'm still, you know, getting the sounds, the vibrations, all that kind of stuff during the abduction process. Once I moved up to the Huntsville area and I got that house, I started getting really religious again. Because I, you know how I told you I was kind of mixing all this in together, like it was demonical and everything. Mm-hmm. I started just thinking that this was really, you know, all tied together. And so I'm trying to explain how I was feeling with these abductions at the time. I would have the abductions happen, and it would be the same thing. It just kept being the same thing. And I was, I was actually going to church more at that time, thinking that, you know, since I had this mindset that it was demonical. That by doing that, it was going to, I guess, stop it. Sure, yeah. Yeah. You know, it wasn't stopping. It was still continuing. It it actually got to where it was a little bit less frequent, but it was still happening. I would still wake up three to five grays. I would still have the sounds, vibrations, and that just continued. And it's just something that's, it's so frustrating, but it's something that, like, you just get used to. It's like you have to get on with life. You have to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. And so by this point, you know, I'm just, it's just like, it's part of my life at that time period. I'm in my thirties. And so life is just continuing. But the, the next major thing that I had happen was in 2018, I was at home by myself and my wife had, uh, my ex-wife, sorry, had taken the kids to her mom's. So I was having to work and I was at the house for by myself for about probably three or four days. It was the end of May of 2018, and this is a major thing that I had happen. So it was a Sunday at the end of May in 2018. I was at home by myself, and I was sitting there, and there was like one of those like Gold Rush shows on, Whitewater, one of those. They were doing like a marathon of them. And so I was sitting there and uh, watching that, and it was about probably about 11 o'clock in the morning. And... I heard that this, this was this was really scary. I heard this, if this makes any sense, I heard this metallic sounding voice 
in my head. It was not, it's like, you know, you can read, it's, it's not your inner voice. It's like, it was not my voice. It was this metallic voice that said, you're going to see us today. Mm. And I get chills thinking about this and it's hard to really talk about it, but I heard this metallic voice and it said, you know, you're going to see us today. And I, I was kind of freaking out and I'm just like, I remember I was saying, I don't effing care. So I, I like, I got up and I was like, I'm thinking, you know, am I going crazy? Like, what's going on? And so I went and I laid down on the couch. It was like 11 o'clock. And I took like about a two-hour nap. So it was about 1 p.m. I woke up. I remember I got a glass of water and I sat down. That show was still playing. Got my phone. I'm looking at it. Still thinking about hearing that voice earlier. Just trying to like shake it off and get on with the day. And then I'm sitting there and it's about almost 1.30 at this time, 1.30 p.m. I put the phone, like, in my, you know, turn off, put the phone in my pocket, sitting there watching the show. Now, I'm sitting in a recliner in my den, and if you look to, like, my diagonal left, it was my youngest daughter's. At this point, I have three kids. So my youngest daughter's room, if I looked that way, I would see right into it. So I'm sitting there watching this, and then, like, out of my peripheral, I see movement. And, like, the first thing I remember popping into my head is, what are they doing? In the, and then I go, wait, I'm here by myself. And then I turned and I looked, and I'm staring at, like, a textbook cover of communion, about, like, four and a half foot tall gray. And it's wearing a, like, a purple dive suit. And it's got, like, these white, like, patches or symbol on its, like, the breast area. And I can't even, like, explain to you the fear that I felt in me at this point. I all of a sudden, out of, like, I don't know if it was instinct. It was more like I was just, my body was doing it. I was, like, standing up. So I'm, like, standing up at this point. And I'm, like, standing up in the chair. And I remember my legs were feeling like I was a robot. It was like, you know, I'm locked eyes with this thing. And I'm, like, standing up. And it's talking to me in my head. And it's saying, like, I remember it trying to say, like, calm down, everything's going to be okay. But it was in that metallic sound and voice. It was like, you know, it, it wasn't a calm, I can't duplicate the voice, but mm -hmm. it was like a growly metallic sound. And I can't do it myself, but it, it did not sound comforting. And so I'm just like, I've got to get out of here. I was like, holy, you know, you've experienced this your whole life when you're, you know, asleep and you have these wake up and paralysis and all that. But it's like when you're seeing it and you're a hundred percent awake, it's like a totally different ball game. So I'm staring at it and I'm, you know, I'm standing up, I'm, I'm standing up and my arms are like locking and I'm, and what's going through my head is I'm like, you know, I'm going to be taken. I'm going to disappear. Am I ever going to be seen again? While this thing is like, it's like it's talking over me in my mind as I'm saying all this stuff. And so the door is about 15 feet to my left. So I am struggling. It's just like you see people say on TV, Tim. It's like I'm struggling to move. It's like it's got some kind of control over me. And, like, I, it's taken everything I can to even turn my body. And, like, I remember I got my right leg lifted, and it was like, my leg weighed a hundred pounds by itself, my lower leg. I'm like, I lift it. And then it's like, when it hits the ground, it's like a stomp. And as I break line of sight with this thing, it's like, it gets easier to move. And then when I can, when I finally touch the door handle, it released me. So I run outside, I'm looking around 
first thing I do is I look up, no ship, of course, above my house. I'm looking around. My neighbors are doing everything that they normally do. Kids are out. Guy a couple of houses down is getting ready for his barbecue. You know, I'm in disbelief, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm out here. These people probably think I look crazy. But I'm like, there's a gray inside my house. And it's like, I, I really can only think of one this one guy to call that I knew from my church. And I was I was thinking about what to even tell this guy. It's like, what do you tell somebody when this just happens to you? And so I, I took my phone out of my pocket. You know, I'm thinking it's like, you know, been a couple of minutes, so it should be one thirty something. So I'm looking at my phone as I'm about to call this guy to come over or try to get him to come over. I looked at my phone, it was four thirty. Mm-hmm. So I had three I had three hours of missing time. Oof. Yeah. And so and I don't know what happens. I thought that I was getting away from it. But I think what was actually happening was and I've I've come to think this way about all these like abduction experiences. It's like I, I think when you see them, that that's not the beginning of the abduction. I think that that's like the ending of it. Mm. And so, at least that's just my opinion. That's my opinion. And so, I think when I saw it, like when I'm realizing it, like when I'm standing up and I'm standing there and I'm fighting it and I'm thinking I'm getting away, I'm not really getting away. I'm just, it's just the, the abduction's ending. And so, that, at least that's now what I believe. And so, you know, I called the guy and I didn't really, I didn't want to say ET. So I told him that I saw like a demon in my house and this guy who was like from my church at the time, he comes over and, you know, he, of course he really doesn't believe me. Like the first thing he asked me was how much have you been drinking? Right. And so I was like, right. you know, none, right. It's typical what you would expect. And all he did was he walked around the house and said the warrior's prayer like five times. And then he left. And, you know, I was like, man, I just no way I'm going back in this house. But, you know, of course I had to, and, and nothing else really happened that day. That was really a major uh, occurrence. Oh, yeah. That happened. You know, it's like, I was like, wow, I actually had a daylight encounter happen. And then it continuously goes in your brain, you know, why me? You know, what is the whole purpose of this? You know, what, like, why are they doing this? Why have they been doing this since I was a kid? There's all those theories. You know, but it's like none of them was really sticking for me. And then, you know, right after that, there was a period of like three weeks where nothing happened. And then right after that three weeks happened, and it's like you've sort of calmed down and you're back in your house. A couple of weeks right after that happened, I was just terrified to even like walk past that room. And I didn't really say anything to my uh, ex-wife because every time I would bring it up, you know, she just didn't really want to hear it. But probably you know about three weeks after all that it went down things just got back to normal it just it was slowly getting back to where i would just have paralysis type abductions that's towards the end of 18 or i guess towards about you know the end of summer early fall 18 it it got back to what i would say you know normal just talking about the normal types of abductions and then by 2019 me and my ex-wife had actually decided we were uh, getting a divorce. And so I moved out and I purchased a uh, 40-foot camper, fifth wheel, that I lived in for about a year. And, you know, of course, about a month into living in that camper, it followed me, you know. And so it just resumed. It was just like, no matter where you go, this stuff is going to follow you. So, you know, it followed me into the camper still. 
and the way this camper was laid out for people listening, people probably know what a inside of a fifth wheel camper looks like. You know, they're pretty nice, but you have one large room that's basically like your den and kitchen area, and then you have a door, and then I had a bedroom, and it like the bedroom, the shower, everything is in this one this one area, and it's like I had a king size bed in there. It's pretty big. And then the closet was had like this, it had mirrors on it. So it was like a, uh, each side of the closet was a double mirror. And I bring that up because when I would, most of the time I would lay facing that wall. And so when I would have these abductions start happening again, I would wake up and I could see like the reflections of these things in the mirror. And that was ultra scary. And I remember one night I, w- I woke up and I was paralyzed. I had like the tuning fork and everything else, the sound, I mean. And then, like, I'm struggling to, like, move, and I'm moving, and I'm, like, looking up this way to my right, and I see this gray turning around. And it's actually, I see the movement. It's turned around. I see the back of its head, and I see down to where the purple jumpsuit starts. And there was, like, a black slit on the back of the, the jumpsuit. Don't really hear too many people talk about the back of a gray. Yeah, I don't know if I've I ever saw. heard. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was crazy. And so I'm like, I'm looking up and I see I'm seeing the thing turning around. So I see the I can see it clears like it just happens back of its head, neck, and I see that back neck area. And there's like the top of the where the neck starts. There's like a black kind of like almost like a seam. I'm not saying it was a zipper. It's just a different look to it. And then it you know I see it move out of frame. I'm struggling. Yeah, you know, doze. I fall back and then I wake up suddenly. I would always close the door from the den part to the bedroom part. And when that happened, when I woke up, it, that door was open and that scared me. And I don't know why they would do that. Cause I mean, you know, these things can like materialize. So I don't know why they would open a door. Yeah. It seems like, like they don't, they don't need doors. Yeah. No, they don't. And I mean, it's, I don't know. That's another just weird thing that these things do, whatever they are. It's like they, they do stuff like that on purpose to for you to like remember i mean i just, I just don't know in that particular notable non i guess you could say for lack of a better term normal abduction that i would have that one happened probably is around october of 20 and it would be probably about a couple months after that paul con you know i had my twitter going and it was around the end of 20 when paul contacted me and i was actually with my current wife at that time and in january of 21 we moved into this house that we're in now and as me and paul started you know hooking up on twitter and he was mentioning the stuff that we talked about at the top about the tdt that is when stuff started happening in this house and of course the uh you know the abductions followed me here like they they always have but when me and paul started to where we were becoming friends and talking on Twitter is when the stuff just started firing off around the house, like the poltergeist type stuff and just, just stuff that had never really happened before, at least to the extent that it's happening now. You, 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you have a history with experiences as well, Paul? Yes, yes. Uh, it started at a young age for me. First thing I saw was uh, there was a party downstairs one night. Uh, obviously, mum and dad was, had some friends around. And I was up at the bedroom window looking up towards the hill, and there's some radio masts. And I watched. So was, we were talking about midnight just after, and there was a large, bright, white, oval-shaped light looked like it was almost examining the, the radio masts and it was flying around the radio masts and just, I don't know, just examining them. I must have made a little bit of commotion because one of my aunties came up and a police car turned up because I could see the blue flashing light as the police car approached. It moved off around the back of the hill and disappeared. So that was the first one that I saw. Yeah, so I had, I had no idea what that was. I, I had no no frame of reference for it or anything. So we moved forward now, probably about eight, nine, ten years old. It was a summer's day, really nice outside. I decided that I was going to go out and take a walk up the hill. I said to my mum I was going over the park. I was lying though, basically. I wanted to go up and look for the badger sets. So this area that I went to uh, runs up, well, would run up the side of the old GCHQ that was in Cheltenham. You can imagine what GCHQ is. Do you know that? No. It's like the British version of the Pentagon. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. So I've gone up the side. It's only about a mile away to the back of the complex. So I've gone up along the side, looked for the badger sets. Nope, didn't see any badgers. Went around the back. Made my way to this gate. I stood on this gate that goes into the field watching the cows. And I can hear this low humming sound, almost like mixed with uh, static electricity like sort of sound. So I'm looking around and I spot this thing. And it's, it was the size of a shipping container, matte black, but not like if you look at the stealth bottle or something like that, not that kind of black, it was blacker than that. So there was like the reflective properties on this thing was not the same. It was really deep, dark black, almost like Vanta, I would, I, I would say. Hmm. 
So this thing was coming towards me. And I'm stood there on this gate looking at this thing. I have no idea what this thing is. Again, no frame of reference. I have no idea what it is. It ends up right above me. And it's so close that I could have hit it with a stone. In the bottom is an open doorway. And I can see these three people looking down at me. They looked a bit odd. And I think, at that age, I thought they had big wraparound sunglasses on. So I'm still in this gate and I start waving to them. I lock eyes with one of them. And it's almost like there's a blip in my memory. And then the thing disappeared. I thought it went over the reservoir or something, because there was a reservoir next to it. But I ran, ran to the reservoir and it was gone. It was just nowhere to be seen anywhere. Went back down the hill, spoke to somebody on the way. He said, you better get home. I got home. But the police were there. And all hell was breaking loose. I'd been gone for hours. So this round trip that I was on it was no more than two miles. So it wouldn't have taken me more than a couple of hours. But I was gone, it was uh, early evening by the time I returned, so I was gone pretty much most of the afternoon. Wow, yeah. And no recollection of what happened without missing time. So that was the first major encounter. But I had no frame of reference, again, to what that thing was. you, You mentioned pop culture earlier. I had no exposure to anything back then like that. There was nothing like that here in the UK. So that was back in the late 70s. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was... Yeah, before it really took off, sure. Yeah, so I, I had literally nothing nothing to gauge it by. I didn't know what they were or what it was. I had no idea. Then moving forward, um, parents split up. I was then living in a place called Gloucester. One night, uh, gone to bed as normal, wake up halfway through the night, sort of like dry mouth, cold sweat almost. And I think... It was my, my deceased grandmother sat next to me in a chair. And I was like, what's, what's going on? I was kind of like really freaked out. And this voice, everything's okay. It's going to be, you're going to be okay, stay calm. And as that was being repeated over and over, I started to literally float off the bed. Got to the point I was struggling. I was in that situation, I suppose that sleep paralysis thing they call it. But I was in the sleep, I was wide awake. I was, I was paralyzed, I, I was struggling, like trying to get out of this, whatever it was. Suddenly I managed to move, so I, I think this is when they must have put me back. I dropped back down onto the bed quite hard. Again, no frame of reference. I had no idea what was going on. Absolutely no idea whatsoever. So we jumped forward again now in time. So I've gone back to live in Cheltenham. And this is going back, this is going into my teenage years now. One night, wake up, so it's just me and my dad in the house. I, can, I wake up, cold sweat again, dry mouth. I've got my bed sort of positioned facing towards the front of the building. I go to get out of the bed, halfway out of the bed, and there's this bright light shining through the back window. I didn't have any curtains at the back window. And this tall, dark figure has just stood there in my room. I can hear my dad in the next room snoring. It's, I'm just froze with terror. I have absolutely no idea what this thing is. At that age, you know, with no exposure still, I, I thought it was the devil or something. That's what I really thought. I was born at uh, Church of England. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought it was. I really thought it was a devil had come to get me or something. Terrified. Absolutely terrified. I slowly snuck back behind the headboard, got into the bed, got back into bed and put the covers over myself. The next thing I know, it was morning. Um, told my dad. He, he just seemed like, like, you know, silly boy. Don't know what you're on about. Mm-hmm. Next night, it happened again, exactly the same. Halfway out of bed, 
and that thing was stood there again, just stood there in my ring with this bright light shining behind it, just absolutely terrifying. Snap again behind the headboard. Next thing I know, it was morning. It was around that time that the strange poltergeist activity started. I had one of those toys, like, uh, uh, do you know the Atats? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had one of those. And it was at that point I started locking the bedroom door. And I had um, a couple of knives down the side of my bed and all sorts of other bits and pieces. I thought, if this thing's going to come back, I'm, I'm going to be prepared for it. I was really freaked out, as you can imagine, a teenage lad. So anyway, I've got it this one morning. And this Atat that was in the middle of the room is not there. And the door's locked from the inside, so nobody can get in. I've gone downstairs, go to the toilet, go in the bathroom to go and wash, and this thing is just stood there, perched in the bath, perfectly balanced. That was my first like real encounter with the poltergeist activity. Right. So it was like what and how? Like, just completely confused me. I had no again, no idea what was going on. So again, so we'll jump forward now. This is around about the time of Hail Bop. Now going back to the same hill where GCHQ was in Cheltenham, mm-hmm. the old Oakley site, and where the pylons are, are literally about a mile away from each other, if, if not two, not very far. I'm parked not far from the pylons, parked up, took the dogs up there. They were out for a little while. Uh, there was a car parked up not far away, nobody in the car, and the lights were on. It was a bit weird. And then the lights went out on the car. What's going on there? And the dogs seemed a bit freaked out. They didn't want us like stay outside, so they wanted to get back in the car. So come on, then back in. Went to start the car, and the car was dead. Couldn't start the car. It was like the hot like, It was just completely dead. And it, at that point, bang! It was like it become. It was like gone twelve o'clock at night. I knew something had happened. The car started. Everything seemed to be normal again. Went back home. Got, was again confused, but I knew something had happened. The next day in the local paper, somebody had spotted a UFO exactly the same place. Oh, wow. That we were parked. So it was in the local paper. <laughs> Going back to that first encounter where I saw that over the pylons, all the, all the radio masts, it wasn't two years later doing research and looking at it that it's actually a known case. And it's known as, uh, if you can search it up on the internet, it's known as case 29. So there was an actual uh, report from the police where they went up to the radio mast to investigate this light. It was examining the radio mast. So we'll jump forward again, mate. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until much later, uh, around about the time of, well, it was the time when um, Independence Day came out. Watch that film. And you know the bit where they split the thing open and you can see the little the little alien in there. Oh, it's been a long time, but... It was at that moment, I swore, it was the eyes. It was like, oh, that really reminds me of those eyes. Mm. And I thought, I'm going to start looking into this a bit more, man. So I went to a local news agent, started looking for UFO magazines and to see if there was anything there. And, and then it hit me. I saw a UFO magazine, and it had a picture of a grey on the front. And it was total shock. I suddenly realised what I'd seen that day. Mm-hmm. And I'd seen that shipping container-sized black box. It was pointed off at the front as well, and had a little short bit sticking out of the front. So almost like um, you know, like a sphinx needle. If it was chopped off, beveled off at the front, flat edges. It was massive, like the size of a shipping container. Later on in a bookstore, looking for books on the subject. Typical, like like most people, I come across the book Communion, and there it was again, the grey. Mm-hmm. All started to fall into place. 
not to interrupt you, but just to commiserate, <laughs> I had uh, an experience, and in my mind, I thought, I thought there were three little doctors, three short little doctors by my bed, and this would have been in the sometime in the late '80s or very early '90s. After that, I had seen the communion book and had that visceral reaction to it. But at some point, I saw a TV program. They were abductees, and they had either drawn pictures of graves or they had reenactments, and I don't remember which it was. But yeah. whatever it was, when I saw that on that TV program, I knew immediately, like, oh, those weren't little doctors. That's what they were. And it's I could see them clear as day all of a sudden. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I've, I've had that experience. Very similar. So then... We'll jump forward to the TVT, I think, mate, and go into that. Years later, I started looking through, because I've collected quite a lot of data on this, there are instances, and it seems to start, not for everyone, but it seems to start with door knocking. So you'll get the like the three knocks mm. at the front door. You go to the front door, it's 3.33 a.m. You go outside, look around, and there's nobody there. And this will repeat for like maybe several days. And that's exactly what it did. It repeated for several days. I had no idea again what was going on. I still had this poltergeist activity. Things were like disappearing, moving around, just like vanishing and then appearing in strange places, like a set of bulbs that I had. Uh, they disappeared and then ended up in my sock drawer. How did they get there? No idea. Wow. Just really bizarre, odd little things like that. We'll jump forward now. So the TDT started full for me. On the 22nd of the 10th, 2019, and I had literally one nine days of solid triple three wake-ups. And I had no idea what was going on, but I was having these vivid nightmares. And in these nightmares, I was being shown all sorts of things like nuclear war, destruction, all kinds of crazy stuff. And it was just always the same, over and over again. And in the dream... There would always be three graves. One would be stood just behind me, one a bit further back, and one a bit further back still. And there's always three. Mm-hmm. And they seem to be taking me through endless scenarios and situations, terrible, just terrible nightmares. And you'd wake up, and it would be three, three, three. And that carried on for a little while, and then the numbers started changing a little bit. And I wasn't fully logging everything down for a while. And it wasn't until a while later I was starting to like research and look into it. What's going on? What does this mean? What is it? I, I'd heard about stuff in the past about the 333 number appearing with abductees, but I had no frame of reference for it. I couldn't find anything really on it. And then somebody directed me to Robert Hastings' new book. So I got that, and there's a whole chapter in there on TDT. And I was, ah, okay, this is starting to make a little bit more sense now. So I started to research more, and it was still ongoing. So once again, TDT for listeners is triple digit time. Triple digit thingy. That was the term coined by Robert Hastings. Mm -hmm. Triple digit thingy. Yeah, I started looking around for other people that were experiencing this. And I started to find them. And I started to find lots of them. I mean lots of them. And some of these people were having injuries included with the TDT. So you can have bruises, scratches. When TDT happens as well, you'll wake up from the nightmare. You'll see the time. Typical sort of like biological effects. You'll get tinnitus. You feel very drained of energy. You feel nauseous. It's just you're, you're really like, like you've been run over 
or something. The area will be very quiet as well. Everything's really, really silent. Mm-hmm. So you get up, walk around. It doesn't just affect the person involved. It affects local wildlife and pets. I was noticing, well, I was getting these TDTs. My dog always sleeps at the end of my bed. He got a little Yorkshire Terrier. But while these TDTs were happening, there, he was nowhere to be seen. He would be hiding somewhere wow. out of the way. So this uh, event, well, it, at one point I decided to set up a security camera in my bedroom and it's literally down to the second. You can actually watch the seconds tick down. So it's like 58, 59, triple three, and you're there, you wake up. It's just so bizarre to watch it and see it happen. But you'll get, like, as I say, like, the surrounding area, you'll get dogs barking and birds suddenly singing and maybe they'll be, your pet will be barking at a wall or something like that or, or acting skitsy and running up and down the hallway or, or stairs, you know? So it's not just affecting the person, it's affecting things around as well in the local area. So as I started to reach out and find people that were experiencing this, I started to realise that everyone was experiencing the same symptoms. The same things were going on, and it was repeating over and over and over again. So I met Charlie online. We started to chat, and then we noticed things were going on. We would chat, and then we would get increased activity. At the start, I didn't really know what was going on. There was a lot of things that were happening, and I was talking to other people. We were getting all this odd activity going on. Nothing was really making sense. So I started doing some other solar research, going through other books, uh, some of Valley's work, Keel's work looking at everything I could find on the subject to try and sort of quantify what was what was going on. Mm-hmm. So with the TDT, when Paul contacted me and I was starting to go, like I said earlier, you know, I was like, wait, yeah, the 333, yeah. And then I was thinking about other times when, you know, having your smartphone waking up, 111 and I was like, wow, there's something, there's something to this. And then Paul is right. We started having things happen when he brought this up. Like an example, it was around uh, the time that that Conjuring 3 movie came out. It was, you know, it came directly to like streaming in 21. It was early in 21. I want to say it was like March. And myself and Paul had been messaging on Twitter and Paul had had this incident happen like a, literally a day before, day or two before, where he had woke up at 3.33 and had a bird chirping outside of his window. Like you could hear it clear as day. He's got video of it. It's right at 3.33. So I was like, wow. And I'm not saying for anybody listening that birds don't chirp at night. That's not what we're saying here. But it's just what happened was weird because I had never had that happen to me. And this happens to Paul literally like about the next night. On, uh, you know, U.S., like, I'm about six hours behind him. Mm-hmm. So, literally, like, the next night, me and my current wife were sitting and we're watching The Conjuring 3 movie. And I start hearing something, and I'm like, I paused the, you know, I paused the movie, and it was 11.44 my time, which is 4.44 Paul's time. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I start hearing something and I'm like, this, this can't be happening. I got up and I went over to the back door 
and I heard a bird. I mean, it was going crazy, and I was like, this can't be happening. And I got video of it, and I sent it to Paul on our Twitter. So he's seen the whole video that I had. And unfortunately, my video, I I changed phone shortly after that, and it's still there, but you have to scroll way, way up on the Twitter. And I don't know how to get that off of there, but it's, it's still there. So I had this bird going off, and I was blown away by that because, not saying that it can't happen, but it happened right after he had it happen. Right. And it was 11.44 my time, 4.44 his time, and the bird is going off. And I'm sending him the – and he, he remembers this. I'm sending him these messages. And, like, we're both, you know, just blown away by that. And that's one of the first things that started kicking off, you know, as we would be – talking the the poltergeist stuff just started ramping up from there you know to to it's still going on i don't know if you if i don't know if you got that video that i sent i don't even know if it went through but you know i had something happen the other day that i caught on my cameras and i i can get back to that but paul was talking about the knocking with the with the tdt i didn't have that at first i actually had that later and then that video that i was just talking about i i captured a, a knocking poltergeist happened just you know about a week ago on the video you see me let my dog out and my cameras in my house all have like motion tracking so you see me i'm standing there i like let the and i've showed paul this video he's seen it i um you know let the dog out and i'm walking away and you hear as just as loud as can be you five knocks on the door and i you see me jerk my head and it you know it scared the crap out of me I have a uh, camera on each door, and I went back and I looked at all the doors, and there's nobody at any of the other doors. You know, that was like, to me, wow, actually, I got something on video mm-hmm. moment. And, and you know, right after the bird incident happened, I had a – my house is kind of like an L, and so the, the kids are all on one side, and so they've got a bathroom down at the end of their hallway. Well, I started noticing, you know, some some of the weeks – about every two weeks, it's just me and my wife here. The, all the kids are with, you know, the other parents. Mm-hmm. And so we would notice, you know, we'd leave for work. i come home. I'd be putting my stuff down in the kitchen because about the kitchen's about as far as we go in, that, in the side of the house. I would be messaging Paul. I'd be like, I came home and my light's on in this the bathroom at the end of the hallway. And I would go turn it off. And it's not like, you know, the switch is off, but the lights are on. The switch is turned on. And so I'd turn it off, you know, close the door, go back, be doing something around the house. I'd carry something. Like one time it happened within like 10 minutes of each other. Carry something back to that side of the house, the light would be back on. Me and my wife uh, started hearing like disembodied voices like around that, that same time frame. I mean, this is just stuff, crazy stuff. But we would have things like voices in that same hallway and I'm, I want to try to paint this for people listening. So, you know, picture like a long hallway and about waist high, there is trim all the way down this this hallway, you know, about midway up. Mm-hmm. So right right where this hallway begins, I have a, it's a picture. It's like an Alabama football a picture from the Clemson game. It's, it's uh, just, just a, you know, a hand-drawn picture and it's hanging up there. This picture is on the wall. For it to fall straight down, you have two things in its way. There is this trim that is running down the length of the hallway, and this picture is really secure. Then underneath the trim, there is a table 
that is right up against the wall. The table extends further than the picture is on the side of the wall. And it's right up against the wall, right underneath the trim. Okay? So mm-hmm. I go to work. I come home, putting the stuff down the table, going to the hallway. The light is on. That's what drew my attention. I'm going that way, and I'm like, God, this is happening again. And I, I happen to look. I, out of the corner of my eye, I'm like, my picture's gone. And I look down, and the picture is underneath the table like it fell straight down. And so in order for it to be where it is, it would have to fall straight down through everything. Right, through, know the, what I'm through the top of the table, yeah. Yes, and it's damaged on the side of it. This is what's freaky to me. It's damaged on one of the corners like it slammed into the floor. Hmm. And I had to literally get down on my knees, reach underneath the table, and get the picture, which is sitting right up against the wall like it fell straight down. And the only way it got down there was it either fell straight down or somebody took it off and damaged the corner and then stuck it under the table, and there was nobody in the house that day. It was like literally we left for work that morning. We come home. We're the next people, you know, that's in the house. And so, you know, that was a really major thing for me. For me, it was just a, just not one of the doors was open in the office when nobody had been in there and when everything was locked up. That was at the same time. But then we go forward to that other event. I'd left work one morning. The time was coming up to 10.44 a.m. Charlie's time was 4.44 a.m. So Charlie's having a TDT and I'm driving through town and my car stereo gets taken over by this high-pitched sound. So I kind of, oh, what's that? Maybe it's interference from, from around the area or something. So I flicked through all the channels on the, on the stereo, and it was on every single channel. Wow. So I managed to drive, literally drive over probably a mile and a half to two miles away, and it's still there. And I'm looking around at people in their cars to see like, when we were at travel bikes and stuff. Nobody else is playing with their radios. And I'm playing with this radio trying to get this get rid of this thing, whatever it is, and it's still there. It's really high-pitched sound, but in amongst it, there's like a, a sound of like data mixed in. Really odd, but it was still there. So I almost got home, and then it just went off quiet, and then the normal car uh, car stereo uh, radio station was on there, come back on quiet, and then gradually come back to normal level. So that was like really bizarre. I thought, what, what's that? that I, I knew it wasn't normal. Right. I knew it was like something really bizarre. So I've literally just got back home. I start typing to Charlie. Something really weird just happened. And Charlie's typing to me. And then we suddenly realized, because Charlie's like, I've just had TDT. Explain your TDT. Yes, this is crazy, Tim. This is absolutely 100% true. So while that is going on with Paul, unbeknownst to me, I am having this just major uh, TDT wake-up slash end of an abduction, vivid dream, whatever, however you want to lump all this into each other. And so what I'm experiencing is I'm being drugged down. Now, remember I was telling you earlier, I've never really had anything where I was like, I had the daylight encounter that we talked about, but I never had anything where I was like beamed up or taken to a craft or anything like that. So when this is all going on, I am being drugged down a hallway and I'm getting the goosebumps on the arm thinking about this and like, and I, and I can feel it. 
so like I'm I'm being drugged down this like metallic hallway and I'm being drugged by my legs and I'm looking over my shoulder as I'm on the ground and there's two grays typical and they've each got a leg and they're dragging me in my brain you know I'm I'm just going f it and they stop and I still to this day don't know what all this means they stop and I'm laying there on this cold maroon metal floor and I'm like looking up like this way up to my right and to the ceiling as much as I can and it's like the it's like the the hallway is like it's changing into my hallway if this makes any sense whatsoever this hallway the one with the bathroom light and like I can see like the tops of the doors of my kids rooms and like half of the pictures that they have on the walls when I'm like looking up it's like I start hearing this high-pitched sound it's like a really high pitched sound like a charge is about to go off or whatever and then as that's happening i wake up it's 4:44 i see the grays like retreating like at the end of an abduction like they're just dematerializing or whatever and i set up it says shocked awake and my ears are ringing and then i'm in full on like what you know heck mode and i'm getting my phone yeah, high pitch sound, and I'm getting my phone, and we're typing each other at the exact same time, and wow. like, it's literally like message and message, and we're both reading each other's messages. And you know, on Twitter, you can see when somebody's typing, and so like, we're typing all this. We both just had a high pitch. He had a charge come through his radio. I heard this charge, and am woken up, and he's across the pond in the UK, and I'm in Alabama. You know, we're messaging exactly each other at the exact same time. We still have all the messages. It's crazy. And, and you know, we both are about at the same time, too. We're going, well, we just had like a synchronistic event uh, happen. Yeah, one well, a few days ago as well. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Ninety days to the perfect puppy, Allison. If I was having issues with my puppy, what can they help me with? Ninety days to the perfect puppy can help you with potty training, fear and nervousness, barking, chewing on furniture and shoes, crate training, hyperactivity issues, leash training, and more. Do you know what else they'll teach you? What's that? What not to do, which is sometimes more important than what to do. Absolutely. They have a relationship-based approach that helps you and your puppy become perfect for each other with online sources like video lessons, a secret Facebook group, and one-on-one options are available. You can find 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy at sithappens.us. Let them apply proactive training methods so you and your puppy can become perfect for each other. You can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. We will continue my talk with Paul and Charlie on the next episode of Strange Familiars. That's going to be a bonus episode for everyone. So that should drop sometime in the next couple days, and you can hear the rest of the conversation with Paul and Charlie. I would like to thank Gabriella S. She sent me a very neat book called Eerie Eerie (laughs) about Erie, Pennsylvania. So thank you so much. I love books. Yes, not every town has a name like that. No one's going to send you a book from Intercourse. Don't get all excited. (laughs) (laughs) 
creepy intercourse is not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> intercourse being a town in Pennsylvania for those who don't know. It's in Lancaster, right? Yeah, yeah. It's near Burdenhand. All right. We'll be back very soon with part two of my talk with Paul and Charlie from TDT Research. Thanks for listening, everybody. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music by Stone Breath, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. We are on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, one word, and you can find us on the web at strangefamiliars.com.
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.